0: Welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. Welcome to. another episode of Inspiring Futures. Um, I'm excited that Michael Otterbury is uh, gonna be joining me for the hour, or maybe longer, we don't know, we'll see, Um, for an interesting conversation, really, really about the moment. Uh, Michael uh, reached out to me last week and uh, explained to me what he did. It seems really interesting work, Um, right at the grassroots level, right in schools, um, trying to make some uh, changes. Um, and you know, the whole, the whole theme of the podcast, inspiring futures is about trying to think of a positive future, uh, trying to be positive about the future. And I think Michael, a lot of the work you're doing is, is very much in line, uh, with that concept. So I'm going to hand over to you to tell us a little bit about your, uh, life journey, what, where you've been, the little routes you've taken and what's got you to where you are now.
1: Okay, sounds good. Ed. So you know, to do that, I want to tell you a story. Yes, sit back. And I'm going to tell you a little story to kick it off to give you a background of who I am and where I come from. And it's about a farmer and a donkey. All right. And this donkey is one of his favorite farm animals. Because once he finishes working with his donkey on the fields, he brings his donkey back to the house and he allows his donkey to play with his kids. So imagine it's a farm animal, but slash, he's almost like a pet. So, you know, he brings him back. They run out the house. They wash him. They ride him. They pet him. And then he releases him back out in the farm to the next day. So one day he brings him home. They play with him. He releases him to the farm. But the following morning, when he went out to whistle for him, the donkey didn't show up. So when the donkey didn't show up, he was was concerned. So he starts walking around the farm, and he's looking for him. He's calling his name. He finally hears him making noise at the bottom of an empty water well. See, during the night, the donkey wandered, and he fell into the well, and he couldn't get out, obviously. So he's making a noise so that the farmer can hear him. So the farmer walks over. He wants to pull him out. So he gets six of his friends, and they decide that they're going to pull him out with some rope. So all six of them get some rope and they start to lasso the donkey. They throw it down, they miss. They throw it down, they miss. They finally throw it by his hind legs. He's smart enough to step into it. They shimmy it up his body and all six of them brace themselves and they start to pull. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. Then halfway up the well, Ed, they realized that the donkey's too heavy. So they got to lower him back to the bottom of the well. And now that farmer has to make a grim decision. Now, see, he can't feed him food at the bottom of the well from his family because that doesn't make sense. He, in his mind, he can't starve him because if he starves him, that's cruel. I said he's more like a pet. So he said, I can't starve him. One of his hot-headed friends is like, hey, just shoot him. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, we can't shoot him. So one of his more reasonable friends pulled him to the side. And he said, listen, you don't want your kids to fall in the well. So you're going to have to sacrifice your donkey. We're going to fill the well with dirt. Your kids will be safe, but you no longer obviously can have your donkey. So the farmer says, you know what? I can deal with that. So all six of them got shovels, Ed, and they start shoveling dirt into the well. And every time that dirt would hit the donkey, the donkey would scream. And every time it would scream, it would cause the farmer some distress. So you get it, dirt, scream, dirt, scream, dirt, scream. Then all of a sudden, Ed, The scream, stop. Now, when they stopped, they gave the donkey a moment of silence. But then they went back to work. Dirt, dirt, dirt. The next thing you know, you see the donkey's right here. Dirt, dirt, dirt. The next thing you know, you see half the donkey's body. Dirt, dirt, dirt. The next thing you know, that donkey walks right out of the well that he fell into. So, Ed, check this out. Every time that dirt came across the wall, it would fall on the donkey's back. He would take it off and he would step on it. And he took every scoop of dirt that was meant to kill him to save his life. Now I tell you that story because I am the donkey. I grew up in a home with an alcoholic father and I can't even say alcoholic, he was a raging alcoholic. And he raged from the time I was born until the time he died when I was 16. Now you say, what significance does that have? Let me tell you something, there wasn't a day that went by and even if I got caught up in the fun and the, the cheeriness of the day, something would tap me on my shoulder and it would say, hey buddy, don't you get too happy because you got to go home tonight. So I had a raging alcoholic father. On top of that, I lived in poverty. I had two parents that working hard, but his money went to the streets. My mom was a housekeeper. She cleaned homes for a living and she raised four kids on a housekeeping salary, because like I said, he was drinking it up in the streets. So we didn't get much. We got enough. We got by. So we grew up in poverty. I didn't really have much money. As far as dysfunction, you got an alcoholic father in the house. So he's polluting the whole house with his stuff. But then all the homes in my neighborhood, unfortunately, the kids have the same type of home. So that dysfunction is just amplified. So you got all these people that's in, 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 in dealing it to, with the dysfunction and it's just spreading. So what does that create? You creates crime. So you got a lot of crime, you got drug addicts, you got guys going off to jail, you know what I'm saying? And so I tell you all this because I was in the midst of all of that, but I didn't allow any of that to touch me. And that is what motivates me and pushes me to push other people To get in to a place of a positive future and a positive life.
0: What was it? What was it that stopped you from uh, from from sheer will, sheer willpower?
1: Nah, you know what I did. It's really creative, and like when I look back on it, I should have been writing a book then. What I did is, I I was an elite athlete, so being in like my mom didn't want to send me to counseling. So she put me into sports. So I played soccer, basketball, baseball, and football. And she rotated all four of those sports from the age of eight until I graduated high school. Um, Now I say that because what I did in the midst of the the sports is I created the the structure of a healthy family. So my coaches became my father-like figure. My teammates became my brother and my sister. And then the accolades that I got for being so good was what you would get if you walked through the door of a house with a, a a good parent. So that was what I used as I'm going through all this destruction that kept me on path and kept me motivated in a positive way.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So where where did you grow up? Whereabouts?
1: Um, it's a town, uh, Westchester is called. It's about it's about thirty minutes outside of um, the city, New York City. Um, it's not really city-like, but, um, you know, we we we, we had rough patches. You had a north side and a south side. Um, and the north end was where people were affluent and had money. And then the south side, obviously, was where I grew up. Yeah. So...
0: Um you, you, you left school what happened you left you you, you you did you pick a sport of the four sports where, you, where it was the one that you were particularly good at
1: yep yep I was good at all four if you allow me to toot my horn toot my horn eh. it away. I, all away. right uh, I would toot away uh, I could have went to college for all four eh. so I was that good but I picked football. Football was my favorite. So I left high school. I went off to college. I played. My My dream was to play professional football. And um, I, so I went through the ranks. And, uh, you know, I uh, ended up at a smaller college because I hated going to school. So I didn't like class. So my grades didn't match up to the bigger schools that can offer me a scholarship. So I ended up at a smaller school, which didn't bring the um, the scouts for the pros, so I ended up trying out, I did try out, I didn't make it, you know what I'm saying, but, you know, I went off, and I, and I, in college, I majored in social work, and that really put me on a structured path on trying to help people with, um, you know, the problems of their lives.
0: Yeah, so you nearly, you, you did pretty well, you got to college. You yeah, college. yeah. You got, it, you got it in the team.
1: Yeah, 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 you know, I did well, you know, I, um, you know, I, I used my, my background as a catalyst to be successful. See, I didn't want, I wanted to break the cycle, Ed, you know, and so what I promised myself is that if I ever had my own kids, that my kids wouldn't repeat what I came through. See, it was passed to me, so I had the choice to either raise my kids in the same environment that I grew up in, or I can change it. So that was my motivation. You know, I wanted to be successful, but I also my unborn children was something that I used as a catalyst. So I broke the I broke the cycle, bro. My my I graduated to a better life, but my kids only know the graduation piece. You know what I'm saying?
0: That's awesome. That's great. So so thinking back the last what' what we've been seeing all around us, all over the world, uh the last ten days. What do you what are you making of all this?
1: You know, um, I put up a video on Facebook and it's funny. My, my, my tag is being courage and all my messages are smiley and, you know, I, I'm, i but I woke up that Sunday and, and I put up a video and it wasn't yelling and screaming, but I had to get real with my followers. And what I said on the video, I want, it was 11 minutes. Of course, I'm not going to do the whole video, but what I said was, is something broke in America because we all watched a man get murdered on national television. And I what I was saying was is the fact that people stop looking at somebody else to explain to you what needs to be done to make change. You have to look in the mirror and you have to make the change yourself now. You know, I work with young people and part of my program the major reason I'm calling the schools is because of race issues. And I do a, an activity in this group which I call concentric circles. So Ed, I want you to imagine an inner circle and an outer circle. And my group is made up of all different types of students. So it's a diverse group. So they're in there and they, I give them five questions. The first question is a person you respect and why you respect them. The second question is qualities you look for in a friend. The third question is if I, if, I, if I had the power to change something in the world, what would it be and why? The fourth question is a time that somebody that you love hurt you. And the fifth question is a time that you lost someone you really cared about. So they do that on the inside and outside. I rotate them five times. They talk to five different people who are from obviously different races. And then once I do that, I pull them back out into a big circle and I ask them, do you feel the change? Now, when, they, when I say that, the whole room has changed. They only did five questions. The, the activity only took maybe 15 minutes. But there's a change in the room. And the reason why there's a change is because when they came in the room and they sat in a circle, everybody was just a face. But once they finished doing that activity, all the faces became people. Now, see, so you can't treat a person like you treat a face, and so what I was explaining to them is that the essence of the room changes because they become people, but that's what the world needs to do, Ed. We have to stop treating each other like faces and start treating each other like people. So that means you have to first you have to don't go to a black friend and say, tell me how to do this, you know, if you're if you're white or even if you're black. you have to look in the mirror and take full. You know, Evaluation of yourself and say where am I at right now. Have an honest conversation with yourself first, and then you have to get some history and walk out and start to engage in conversation. But it starts with the individual, Ed. Eh? Yep. So, so what do
0: you what do you what do you see? What do you think we're seeing right
1: now? What we're seeing now. Well, what, what, what you're seeing is, is and, and what I what I I didn't agree with the, the looting and the rioting. You know what I'm saying that was opportunist that was people that were taking the opportunity to just steal some sneakers and some clothes. I mean it's pretty sad that a person would minimize such a such a tremendous moment to do something like that. But what you also see is 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 anger. You know, and let's be real, you know I'm 52 years old. Growing up in this world as a black man in America wasn't fun, bro. Now, is it like I got was it uh, every day, the system, systemic racism wasn't? It's not like every day I walked out of my house, I ran into a situation, but I would run into situations where, you know, put it this way. Wh- whenever I got pulled over for a ticket, if I'm driving, even if I didn't do anything wrong, my main objective was to pull off the curb. Like, imagine, it did so bad that as they're pulling me over, I get so nervous that my my driving looks a little crazy. I'm afraid they're going to pull me out and give me a DWI test because my, you know, I I pull over and I'm a little shaky. You know, I look like maybe I'm intoxicated, but I'm intoxicated with freaking fear, bro. You know what I'm saying? I just want to go, you know? And so I sit there. Yes, sir. No, sir. I don't look twisted. And all I want to do is give them my identification and pull away. So what you see in the world now is, is, is a bunch of, of people, and it's not only blacks, which is good, but a bunch of people. When you see the blacks, that, that, that this is years of, of, you know, you've never been able to express yourself. Let me tell you something. My wife is white. So imagine you got all this going on, and I'm black and she's white. So the house is not divided. We're going we're on the same page yet. But I'm telling you this because she posted something on her Facebook page that was, it wasn't radical. But this is this is what I'm telling you how a black man can get conditioned. It wasn't radical at all, but when I saw it, I've been conditioned that you gotta be careful of what you put out there because you're gonna have to deal with the backlash. So when I saw it, I went to her and and I was about to tell her to pull it down. And right when I said pull it down, it a voice said, Yo, stop. I said it said, Yo, do you see how you conditioned? I was conditioned to be in fear, bro. And I backed up and I almost cried, man. I almost cried. I was like, yo, this, this this, stuff is playing out in real time in my house. And she posted it anyway. So, you know, what I see is, you know, I, and when you see whites, let me tell you something. After I posted that video, I, my white friends were calling me off the hook at it Because in the video, I show passion. Now, see what they misunderstood it's because I'm a man and I do this for a living, I can compartmentalize it. You see, so the rage for me doesn't have to become so upfront that I can't see clearly. So I did the video with uh, an objective. So when they saw it, they thought I was hurting. Like they're calling me up, Mike, Mike, what can I do? What can I do? But watching that man die on TV uh, you, white, black, Latino, whoever you are, you can't, you can't, you can't deny what happened. And so my white friends are just wanting to to come by my side and and walk this thing out. The ones that the ones that want to. Now let me tell you something, man. Social media is crazy because there's some that want to walk by my side. And then I got some that I grew up with who I thought were my friends. Now that it's, it's you know, it's a shame that some people take it as your side and their side. Those people are like, you know, some of my friends that I went to school with in high school, the things that they're putting on their Facebook page, you know, I jumped in one of my high school friends' comments. I was like, yo, buddy, you know, I'm a big dude. So this is a guy that I made sure nobody touched him. At. Can you imagine that? All through grade school and high school, anytime anybody wanted to beat him up, I was the one that defended him. And he's going to put some garbage on his wall about black people. I want to say, bro, you got some nerve. You have some nerve to put that on your page. If I, a black man, you know what I'm saying? With somebody that protected you for most of your, your high school career. So, you know, that, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm feeling, man.
0: Yeah. So, but do, do, do you feel that, do you think that this is a, this is a, I mean, you've seen a few of these, is this, is this, is this a moment where good things can happen, can come from? Or yeah. You, are you, or are you skeptical? Are you? No, nope. s-
1: no. Nope, nope. The only reason I'm not skeptical, and it's a great question, is all the other times the whites weren't on, on, on board. It just happened. And it, if you saw those protests in the past, it would just be blacks. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I'm, why I'm saying when you talk about the power of a, a moment, you know what I'm saying? What makes it different this time is that it's whites and blacks, because the only way you're going to have change is that you you, you can't have blacks coming to the table talking about we want to make change. You got to have people on both sides that want change. So now that you have people from both sides that want change, it makes it makes a difference. You know what I'm saying? Because they can't just say, oh, they, they it's the black people because they feel like they they're being picked on. No, this is universal. Now this is this is everybody. So I think that moving forward, you know, and, and, and the way it looks and you know, uh, I forgot the number if in the history. You haven't heard the story of Rosa Parks?
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. So I, man, let me three hundred. There's a certain amount of days that they protest, but I think it's almost close to a year Ed, that they protest every day for the strikes, for the the whole bus situation. So listen, I'm you know you don't know how long these people are going to be in the streets. So as long as they continue to protest and keep it positive and say you know we'll, we'll shut this thing down once we see that progress is being made. It's it's gonna happen. Oh. Oh. sorry, Ed. No problem. You hear it? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right.
0: See, we were just talking. We were just talking about what's different about now.
1: Right, right.
0: It's it's a lot of a lot of white people, a lot of young white kids. um, Keeping the whole thing going. So what? What do? What? What in your mind? What? 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 What's on your? What? What needs to happen? I mean, obviously, there needs to be a move. It needs to move from marches to movement um what it's a big thing we're talking about a massive cultural thing that's ingrained in a lot of people's minds it's ingrained in life where do you start where do you you would you? Would you start with your
1: circles? <laughs> hey, you, you know, no, Listen, bro, we chuckling about that, but hey, listen. You know, first and foremost, you know, I always joke about the fact that I hate that the society, the business that I'm in, unfortunately, society continues to create problems. While I always have a job, but when you say that about circles, it's almost that way because you you, you can't what you cannot do is try to push this thing through, because if there's not a true understanding of both sides, you can be right back in this place again.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's, as much as you may want progress, it has to, people are saying it, the people that are smart are saying, listen, this is going to take a long time. It's gonna take a long time, you know, um, because to reprogram your thoughts, for some people, that's that's a lot, and you got to be open to it, Ed. You know, you have to be open to it. When you say what's different, is that whites, are, they're open to it now. Matter of fact, not only open to it, you have some not to their fault, because I just did a podcast the other day with a, 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 a white woman who pulled me on just because she felt like she lived a privileged life, and it's like, Watching him die made her realize. I mean, I'm telling you, bro. It was, you know, it, not to get religious at all. So I don't want to turn off anybody on your podcast. But in the Bible talks about, you know, God uses small people to do big things. George Floyd had no idea what it was going to be this. It changed the world. Watching him die, something in all people changed. And so this woman just watching him die just totally, totally looked at it and said, I I, I live a privileged life. So what, what what needs to be done is baby steps, but an objective to move in a direction that that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you this, when I do it with the smaller circles in the schools, what happens is the climate in the school changes eh? So it's a small environment, but what you get is when I release them. So when I go into a school, a school has to commit to about six of those, six sessions with 30 students in each one, all right? So I'm going to be there year after year, but you figure 30 kids, six sessions, they're two days each. And each time I finish a group of 30, I release them out into the building. And what happens is, dude, can you imagine walking down the hall, and you see the black dude with his pants hanging off his butt, you know what I'm saying? And he's sitting there talking to the girl in the honor class. I mean, it blows the kid's mind, you know what I'm saying? But that's because they formed a relationship in my room. And that's how change happens. You know, you give people whispering, hey, yo, listen. dude, Yo, that guy ain't supposed to be talking to her. Why is he talking to her? And then they start asking questions. Hey, you know what? They went to that program, Power of Peace you know what i'm gonna go in there and see what's in there boom they show up you know it's even funnier uh, check this out when i have a white student in my group right and i've been doing this for a very long time so i'm talking and i can see him or her looking at me and I can tell they've been programmed, bro. They've been programmed to how I'm supposed to be. So they're, they're looking at me almost like, I'm not calling them the dog, but you know when a dog looks at you and they tilt their head, kind of like trying to get the information. So the, the students looking at me with that look like, um, um, this is this is not what they told me. And don't you know by the end of the program, Ed, they get up the, the guts and they'll pull me to the side and they'll say to me, man. You, 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 this is nothing like what they told me you would be like, you know? Um, I watched a talk show, Montel, Montel Williams. It was years ago. He was a Navy guy with a bald head. And he had a white supremacist on and a really hardcore black group. And he had them on the stage and they both were going at each other. And then back in the green room, what he did, he thought it would be funny, is he, he put their kids together. So they put the white supremacist kids and the black group kids in the room and then brought the camera back there, Ed. Yo, these kids were jumping on, jumping on each other and laughing and, and being all crazy. And and the parents went bananas once the children you know, film. You know, of course, I'll ah, get my kids, get my kids out of there. But that was proof, Ed. Yo, that some of this stuff is taught to us, Ed. It's taught. Some, some people are taught to hate. So, you know, yeah, it's going to take some time, but we can do it, man.
0: So why do why do they why, why is the hate? I mean, did you hear? His, I I met this guy once. He's a he's a pretty well known guy. He was um, this guy, African American guy, who befriended a leader of the Klan. You ever hear anybody? Oh, that
1: that movie. Right. Is it that? Yeah, yeah. I saw the movie. I saw the movie. Yeah, well, yeah. I met,
0: I met that guy. I oh, you the- did? Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh wow.
0: So why why? why is the hate what's the hate from what's the hate about the hate is a fear of the unknown is it fear of the unknown in your mind what is it
1: yeah it's the fear of the unknown um and and you know i'm not going we can't label everybody so don't don't tell your the listeners not to throw tomatoes tomatoes at me for this one but um you know it's 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 the fact that they call us minorities but by numbers we're the majority you see what I'm saying? And so can you imagine that if you treated a race like garbage for all those years and they know it, in the back of your mind, you are constantly fearful that if they decide to unite, dude, they can run the freaking world. You know what I'm saying? There's some people looking at that TV, bro, and they're, they're nervous because It's happening. It's happening. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the fear. If I can keep the African-American people down and they feel, check this out, Ed. I saw an experiment. I didn't see it. I read about an experiment. There was a dog in a, in a, in a doghouse and he was on a chain. And what they did is they put a stake just far enough at the length of the chain. So he would run for the stake and right when he would get the steak, it would snatch him. And so he kept running for the, the, the steak, and it snatched him, running for the steak, and it snatched him. Then, yo, Ed, hey, they took the chain off. The dog wouldn't leave the, the doghouse. So I say that to him because imagine an African-American person that's been striving for something and couldn't make it striving for something and couldn't make it, striving for something something and couldn't make it because of systemic racism. And then finally, you know what he does? He stops striving. You know, they say, oh, they don't really want anything in the world. What if you, you don't know if that person constantly went after something and constantly got doors shut in his face? Eventually, he woke up one morning, he says, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I'm not doing this.
0: Easy, it's easy to understand, and that's what people want. That's what yeah. some people, want.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Criminals, you know, why do they start stealing? I mean, listen, if, if if you don't want to give it to me, I'll just go take it, right? You know,
0: yesterday, yesterday, I'm in Manhattan at the protest, much. I mean, three delightful African American women, probably in their 60s, um, and they 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 i said you know we were talking about stuff um they they were on the ground in in, in uh, public housing working in public housing uh-huh and uh i said what what's the change the biggest change she said you know they said uh police is bad but but we need opportunities more yeah
1: yeah yeah no definitely yeah yeah, And that's why they're saying, you know, and, and oh, man, you know, sometimes my people, you know, they said they, you know, it's defund the police department. Now, they, 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 when they send a message out, they need to put bullet points because that's not really what a lot of them, mean. you know what I'm saying? They're, they're saying, you know, resources, you know, it's like it's like Black Lives Matter. You know, I had to educate a guy on, on Facebook the other day. Black, li- black Lives Matter, they're not saying only black lives, but they, they didn't put that in the Black Lives Matter banner. It's just, it's the same black lives matter, not only black, but, you know, whites that want to cut it in half, make it their side and our side, it's everybody matters. They're not saying that you don't matter. They're just telling you to, 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 to understand we matter. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's it's... It's, it's it's crazy, but opportunity is big because, you know, listen, opportunity brings change. You see what I'm saying? And, and 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 so, but the opportunity has to bring a change that you're not just giving it with like affirmative action. Don't give it to me because I'm black. But then when I get in the workplace, you treat me, you treat me differently. You know what I'm saying? Um, part of the motivation for me to what get. You mean,
0: my- what do you mean by that? Affirmative action.
1: Well, because some people, because of numbers, you get into a position because you you fit the quota. You got it. You got to have five blacks on staff. So I didn't get the job because I was qualified. I got the job because. I fit the statistic number of how many, how many Blacks you need in your establishment. So when I come into work, you're not looking at me like, Mike, oh, you're the great worker in whatever field you're in. I'm just a Black dude that fit the quota.
0: Which means you get treated differently.
1: Oh, man, big time. Big time. I mean, if you're a number, I said a face or a person, can you imagine if the, the Black person is just a number? You know what I'm saying, you know? And then what happens, I hate sometimes, they say, you know, I was talking to some friends and they talked about Obama becoming president. Do you, do you understand what Obama had to do to become president, Ed? He had to do everything twice as good, bro. You know, he had to double dot his eyes, double cross his T's because he, and then once he got there, eh? once he got there, you know what I mean, bro? You know, not to be political, but he he had to make sure because, and that's a shame, but that's how it works. You know, my brother was talking about, and I don't know enough about it, so don't ask me a question and make me fall into a hole, but he called the black tax. And what he was explaining is somebody was talking to him about how black tax is how a black man has to do things twice as good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so an average white guy can walk in for a job interview. And he can get it, whereas the black guy would have to do twice as good to get and keep that position. So, you know. The
0: opposite opposite is white privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently there's a video, I haven't seen it, of like a coach. He asks his team if they've, uh, you know, come from a broken home, ever done a day hungry. Have you seen that? No. And uh, all all the black students take a step back, every question they say yes to. Wow!
1: Where at the
0: end, you see the whites have such a head start. It basically ex- explain, explains white privilege in a video.
1: You want to see so Here's something interesting. I show a video to my kids, and you can get it. Um, I think it's right on YouTube. They have. Um, okay, so the street it, is. It's uh somebody stealing a bike in a, on a on a walkway in a park. So the first guy that's stealing the bike is a white guy. And and, hey, he has the tools and everything, but the the clip, the lock, all of that, right? So when people walk by, they question him, but they're not aggressive. And even some people, because he's saying it's my bike and I can't get it off, they're kind of trying to help him, and then that's the white guy, right? So then they bring in a, a girl, pretty girl. And, dude, I mean, the guys are falling over themselves to the point where one guy got in trouble because he's with his wife. So he's trying to help the girl steal the bike. His wife is standing next to him saying to him, hey, what are you doing? And he, he's not even listening to her, Ed. But, Ed, then they brought in the black guy. Yo, these people weren't the Ed. They went bananas. It was like this guy was in Fort Knox and he was stealing all the money in the world. I'm calling the police. This one old guy's like, yeah, I'm calling the police. He's calling, don't move, you can't move because I'm calling the police. And it was amazing how they were all in the same spot. And then what the guy did is the guy that set up the uh, experiment would catch him after, you know, once he realized it was an experiment. And, you know, these people, you know, these people couldn't explain it. I mean, it's like the woman in Central Park. That, that, oh, Ed, Ed. You know, you're talking about seeing Floyd get murdered. Watching that video with that woman. And you know what scared me with the woman in Central Park? is me, bro. That, that was so easy. And she knew it. You know, she's on the phone and. She gets on the phone. She escalates it, man. She's like, "Oh, like it's starting to get hyper." So that when the cops show up on the scene, they already are energized and charged up. Oh my gosh, man! It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. But they say things happen in threes. So you notice George and the all George, and 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 that woman in Central Park all around the same time. So you know it 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 it, it was enough to have people have to be convinced.
0: And then, we, and then we've got the COVID thing and, and we've got people souped up. We can all go around wear masks. Ah. A, lot, a lot of things, uh, uh weather's got a little bit better. So uh, yeah, you, you know, you've got this, um, these, this, this cocktail, you know? Yeah. Um, and these guys, I mean, I, I can't believe the organization, like how well organized these guys are, these protesters. Um, you know, they're getting stuff done. I mean, there's, in the New York area, there must be 12 protests a day. Right. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they got supplies, they got water out there. They got, you know, sunscreen. I mean, they got, like got everything. When I, I went to this one on, um, Saturday, this kid. I mean, he's, if, if this guy doesn't, I mean, he's, a, he's 19, this guy, this boy, the boy. Wow led this march of 5,000 people. No! Yeah, the Brooklyn boy, 19 years old. He was like, so, like, such a leader, you know, uh, uh, you could tell. I mean, he had, but he was like, I don't want to be here, but someone's got to step up, and, you know, I'm going to step up.
1: Wow, that gives me chills, man. Yeah. That gives me chills, you know. I saw I saw an older, there's a, a, a video that's, I don't want to call it going viral, but it's out there where it, there's an older black man who's pumping rage. So he's telling the little, it's a 16-year-old boy, he's telling him, go, go and fight, let's go fight. The cops are lining up and he's saying, let's, let's arm up and fight. And then there's another uh, older black guy who's yelling at the young boy saying, yo, no, we need you guys to f- help us. You know what I'm saying? You'll have to show us a new way. We obviously, the fact that this man is trying to tell you to fight, I don't know what to do. So now I like a little bit. Saw
0: it's amazing. You saw that, right? Yeah, so because you got a guy, you got a kid. He's 16. The yep. guy who's 42 and the man who's lead, is he's 32. He's, yeah. like, he's like, the 42-year-old, he's like, I'm sick of fighting instead of uh, being stand- stepped on. I need to, we need, they're not listening. I need to fight. 16 year old, 16 year old. He's like, you, you know, we got to, he, he talks to the 16 year old and he goes, you know, you. I think the most important thing he said was, if you do that, you'll be the same place when you're 32, you'll be the same place I'm at now.
1: Yeah. Nothing yeah. Will change. No, no progress, bro.
0: Yeah. So, um, Ted, Let's go back to that. Like, um, take a look in the mirror. A lot of people are saying that. Take a look in the mirror. What, what, what do you What do you What do you think? People n- spell that one out in your In your words. What you think? Oh,
1: so, of- what What's going to happen is this: when a person looks in the mirror, Ed, um, you know, it, it's scary because then you Then you You see some realities, and so when I say walk that out. Once that person looks in the mirror, they're going to now have to make a choice. You know, the woman that I was on a podcast, guilt was so heavy that I had to release her of it. Like, listen, yo, listen, you can't, you can't carry the guilt of your ancestors. So I'm, black people are not wanting you to carry guilt. You know what I'm saying? And so they have to understand that don't carry the guilt. Get a, a really true understanding that where you are. And then the, the woman that put me on a podcast, what she did on her own is she started to go back in history. So what she did is she went on her own. And don't go to a black person. And I told her on the podcast, I said, listen, do not dispatch your white privilege friends to run up to black people. talking about, can we talk? I'm like, no, no, please don't do that. Cause you get somebody hurt because you have to, this has to be subtle, but educate yourself.
0: Explain, explain that. I've been hearing that a lot from white people.
1: We want to listen. I'm oh, oh, so explain it to him. Listen, let me tell you something. If you walk up to a white, a black person who is not ready to talk about it, they're, they're like a stick of dynamite ready to explode. And you're asking, can we talk about this? we a lighter, bro. You're just going to light the freaking piece of dynamite. So my advice is, no, don't do that. That's why it has to be in a structured environment. Like you said, how do we do it? We have to be in a place where people, you know, I, I don't like um, uh, events where you have um, people on a panel. That's, that's not panel audience is not how we do this. And if people start to do that, I'm going to get turned off. It's not about, because yeah, everybody becomes a specialist when you start having panels. So you got five people that are experts in the field, and you have the people that are hungry and want change in the audience. That's not how change is going to happen. You need, you need an, an, an organic situation where it, like with my program, what makes it powerful is I don't just put the kids in the room and say talk. Because they look at me like I'm crazy. What I do, Ed, is I slowly create an environment where they start to see that there's similarities rather than difference, so it's not force-fed. You know, their brain has to finally say to themselves, you know, I kind of like that black kid. If I walk in and say, You better like that black kid, in nature will say I'm not doing that. So what I do is I run them through these activities and slowly but surely they peek over at the black kid, the white kid says, you know what, that dude is really okay. And so as a society, if we get to the point where we make the decision that we want to move and pursue this in a deeper level, that's what makes change a little bit more permanent, you know what I'm saying? But, but we was talking about looking in the mirror. Hopefully I didn't go too far off that question. Go ahead, Adam. I
0: think, I think that's good. So, I mean, you basically, it's just a step process. Look in the mirror. What are you going to do? Are you going to step up? Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to educate yourself? Are you going to inform yourself? And a little bit of that is, uh, you know, there's some, there's some reading to be done. Yes. Uh, for sure, and then um, some, and then it's experiences. It's it's, it's the talking. It's you, you know it's the it's the it's the. Um, I, I had this I had this thought. I was talking to another woman at the. I went to the um, the George Floyd memorial here in Brooklyn. It was massive. I'm talking to these people, had this idea. I call it. It was I stole your idea instead of the circles, I called it the big table. Ooh. So, you know, like you have block parties. Uh huh. So I was kind of dreaming of this world where you have a white neighborhood. I think half our problem is we're segregated. Yes. So if you have a block party where you have a big table that goes all the way down the street, you cut half the table off and you go, okay, we're going to find a street in a black community. And we're going to, we're going to invite ha- half our street are gonna go to the black community where they're gonna have their big table. And then the black half of that street with the black community is gonna come to our table. Right. And we're gonna sit, we're not gonna sit together. We're gonna sit, we're gonna separate ourselves out. And we're gonna sit around a table and we're gonna bring, people are gonna bring food, bring your own food, sit. I know this was done with the Indians. It didn't work out so well. Right. But, um, but you know, I wonder what could happen. I wonder what would happen.
1: Well, that's that's that that is you know that that is my concept. You know, the only the reason why that the only problem that may have Ed is like I said is is to put two people in in a space without creating a strategy. It's hard, and that's why my my activities are built so that it creates. A dialogue that is very very at first very soft and gentle yep. and then and then because what what happens like you're saying with the, the dinner if you get a dinner and maybe do something at the table that's structured then it it, it it gives Jim and Bill you know Jim and Bill are staring at each other they're dying to talk to each other but they're saying to each other where do I start yeah, yeah. So I, I give them the instrument. So I give Jim and Bill the instrument. They use the instrument, and after the instrument is used, they say to themselves, you know. And so, yes, like you saying, bring people together. But it, people got to understand that it, it's got to be structured, and it's got to have a goal, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, that's why, you know, that's why those programs that are around diversity don't really work too well because people create programs within a vacuum. Somebody goes to a college course, and a professor shows them um, a, a PowerPoint how to create uh, a workshop for kids. You can't just cookie co- can't cut it and go into a school. So I like your idea, but we're gonna go to those neighborhoods and we're gonna bring them some activities. Ed.
0: So say, so say, hopefully. Someone with a large uh, bank account is going to be, when we put this podcast out there, they're listening and they go, I want to write a large, I want to write Michael a large check to go do his thing. Would you, would you stick, just do more schools? Would you get out to more schools? Would you hire, how, if someone gave you some money, what would you do with it? What would you, how would you use it?
1: Adults. See, what, what, I've been, what I've done now is I, I have a nice core group of kids. I yeah. got that. I, my, I have the enroll with the kids. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, I have grants from the schools. You can never have enough money for the nonprofit. So, I mean, that helps. But what I, I would do now is now branch it off into the adult world. You know what I'm saying? Because I know, just like we said here talking, if you put together venues, I can do it. I can do it, and with some of the leaders like that 19-year-old, see, my program, I do all the work, and it's not because I'm a control freak, but I do it because then I get control of the integrity of it. Sure. You see, people that want fast growth, I can go and get five of me, being 20 high schools at once, but then the quality of it, you know, I'm more about change and the integrity of it than trying to make money but you just brought a a good thought to my mind is that with these people that are able to put together a walk with 5,000 people, those are the guys I need or the females that I need. I can take leaders like that and give them instruments to now bring people in a room and take it from 5,000 to smaller groups, but then make the change quality so it's not me up on a mic on a podium preaching to you now I got you in a small space and we're gonna start doing the work and if we can get enough people doing that you know I go into a high school I'm telling you, you'd be amazed man you'd be amazed you know what I'm saying one of my one of my credits and and is they sent me I first did my program and they approached me a town had two rival gangs. Two life now this is like real gang. So because of my 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 rookiness, I took on. I said, Yeah, let's go. I took them to a retreat. Well, I could have died up there, man. I mean, it was crazy. I had these two gangs that really, really hated each other. But I brought them out to this retreat. We did my program. And yo, know, you know, after two days, know what they promised. Now I'm not I'm gonna be real honest. They they promised that they couldn't stop it in the community. They're like, yeah, Mike, this is too big. We're not gonna tell you that we're going to go back to our communities and stop. But they made the truth that they wouldn't do it in the school, bro. They wouldn't do it in the school. And I remember the principal sending me an email saying, listen, I don't know what you did up at the at the, at the the camp, but these guys, uh, it's hands off in the building. And said, kids are walking around the hall like, hey, wait a second. Hey, this is <laughs> almost like they were mad. Like, this ain't right. You know, where's our excitement? They did not fight in that building. So once people start to really get to know each other, there's a genuine love that's formed, bro.
0: So what's just take me back to so so a principal from a high school calls you,
1: right? How do I do it? All right, so what
0: what's he saying to you? This is the principal, we have got a problem here.
1: Um, some schools are blatant, some schools no, with, the try- gangs,
0: with the gangs because this is a special circumstance.
1: Oh, with that one it was that that's what he told me. He it didn't he it, it didn't candy coat. No, he came in and he says, I have these two games, these two sectors. I came in trying to pick it to his regular students. So I think he kind of was like, yeah. If he can do it with these gang members, I'm gonna let him all my regular students. Okay. And I was so new in the game that I, 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 I took it. I took the bait. Wow. It was
0: amazing. So um what's what's the message out there now what's your message out there to everyone who's listening what's the most important thing to do right now
1: you said read read if you will read and get some history you know what i would love them to do Ray, is to read get some history and then put on the put on the arm um, matter of fact read get some history go back to the riots not that they were, they were okay, because there were some people burning stuff up, not because they wanted free stuff. That was just simple rage. But get your history and then understand where these people are coming from. Let me tell you something, Ed. You ever see The Great Debaters? You ever with Denzel Washington?
0: No, I haven't seen it.
1: All right. But it's it's a movie set back, I don't want to say the 40s maybe, maybe even earlier, but it was when lynching was legal. And so imagine, he's, he's a college professor. He's got a debate team. It's an all-black school, but they're going to a, a white school to debate. And they're in the car, and they're cheery-cheery, and they're laughing. They're just driving down this dirt road. And, and lo and behold, in front of them is a lynching. Now, when lynching was going on, though, if, if, by lynching, they could just pick you up. If I'm walking on the back road and a bunch of whites just pick me up, they can go straight up the tree, kill me, go home and eat dinner. I mean, that's how it was done. Yeah, yeah, got lynching time. So they're in the car, they're driving, and, yo, the professor sees it. So they pull up. Now, with lynching, they hang him, then they would burn him. I mean, it was really horrific. So the they can't see it, he has to slowly back out because they're going to now attack him because he's watching they escape and they go to the debate, but they can't really debate because they can't get that vision out of their mind. But if you get a white person to go back and actually be and see that lynching happen that many years ago, and then go back and watch Mr. Floyd get lynched in modern 2020 time, it, it, dude, it's it's an awakening. Yep.
0: yep. That, that is a wonderful sad but um important way i think to end to close for the moment yeah i think we uh i think it was a great conversation i love, love what you were saying it was it was fantastic and uh we need to talk again soon
1: yeah yeah definitely Ed. and you're close you're in manhattan
0: no i'm in brooklyn
1: Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. The city was my stomping grounds. I, um, I coming out of college, I, uh, I was a bouncer. And, uh, so I worked for a guy who would dispatch me. So for like three years, um, and like, it'd be the eighties or nineties. I worked in some of the hottest, you know, nightclubs. Oh no, I was, that's just way before my time. I'm not that old, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I liked the city though. But yeah. Definitely. I wanna I wanna continue this um, when we get a chance.
0: Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. It was oh. uh, it was enlightening. Thank you. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you, Ed. Okay. All Thanks. right. Goodbye. Bye bye.
0: This is your host Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.